play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Hey, it's me, Rachel Bell, your friendly neighborhood podcast host. I just have to let you know that we have a giveaway. At the end of the episode, we're going to be giving away a lovely gift. But in order to win, you have to sign up for my new newsletter and follow along on Instagram. Find a link to the newsletter in the show notes or go to rachelbell.substack.com. And I'm Hello Rachel Bell on Instagram. Now, on to the show. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, the show where celebrities share stories about the foods they love most, and we dig into the history, culture, and science of those meals with experts from around the world. Today on the program, Yuna. is a critically acclaimed R&B pop singer, born and raised in Malaysia, now based in Los Angeles. Her career began more than a decade ago when her music went viral on MySpace, RIP MySpace, and she just released her fifth international studio album, Y5. Yuna and I talk about her mission to learn to cook the Malaysian dishes she misses most from home and how a late night snack attack almost got her in trouble with the Canadian government. They have something on my record saying probably looking for pizza. Then we'll be joined by award-winning Malaysian British chef, cookbook author and owner of Sambal Shiak Laksa Bar in London, Mandy Yin. She's going to tell us all about the glorious food culture of Malaysia and we're all gonna wanna move there. You know, in Malaysia, we're like, you know, we eat like five, six times a day minimum, and it's just surrounded by food. But first, my conversation with Yuna. Yuna started playing guitar and singing when she was 14 years old, but she felt like she needed to take a more practical path in life. Even at like a young age, I really want to be an artist, but maybe I'll just be a lawyer. Even as a kid, I, I don't know, maybe having Asian parents does that to you like they're just like you got to study you got to get your A's you got to get good grades being an artist it's a dream you know like it just felt like very distant unachievable unattainable so so yeah I went to law school but she kept making music during my final year I was busy preparing for my final exams and also putting out an EP you know what I mean so when I graduated I was already having that mini success one of my songs made it to the radio i was at a crossroads just like okay well you know what maybe i'll do law and then my dad was like you know what no don't do law (laughs) just just do music so much focus he's like just do that and i'm like yeah you're right okay cool i'll just do music full time i'm so glad that he did that it could have gone a totally different way that's awesome oh yeah oh my gosh you started your own label, Uniroom Records. Uh, mm-hmm. For those who don't know, you're, you're a proud Muslim woman. Can you talk about how that tied into you wanting to start your own record label? I guess like when I first started out making music, I didn't see myself being a part of a record label because I couldn't see myself in all these like different artists that they were signing. Also, the fact that I wear the hijab, I think like the only female artists who was wearing the hijab and playing pop music. That was something that 
was unheard of. Like no one ever tried to do that. That was the thing that kept me going. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point of this whole thing is I love making music, but I also would love to be myself. So that's how I felt maybe the best way for me to do this was to start my own label and just be independent. Is it true I read, though, that um, some labels refused to sign you unless you took off your hijab? Oh, yeah, that happened. He was like, you know, like, if you want to sign with a major label, like, we're going to have to, like, ask you to take off your your scarf. Like, I'm like, why? Oh, because it's like, how are we going to sell music? We need you to be, like, beautiful. Don't you want to be beautiful? <laughs> Oh, my God. Isn't it incredible how they just have the guts to say these terrible things? Oh, of course. To a young girl, Mm -hmm. they will say anything, you know. And um, but I'm not just some young girl. I was very stubborn. I was like, okay, well, this meeting is over, you know. Yeah, good for you. um, Yeah. I was just like, bye. So you moved to L.A. from Malaysia. What were your first impressions of American food? Oh, my gosh. The first few months, it was burgers and fries and chicken wings, I guess. But then after that, I discovered, oh, they have Asian cuisine. So Yes, especially in <laughs> L.A. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, all right, I'm sticking to Thai and pho forever and ever. But yeah, you know, I actually enjoy the food out here. Like now that I've been here for 10 years, I have my favorite spots, you know, that I would always go to. I live right by Republic. I love that place. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. Uh, and also, you know, I I always don't mind traveling to Thai town and hit one of my favorite like Thai restaurants. I have three, <laughs> three favorite Thai restaurants that I go to. Have you found good Malaysian food? Because I know that you weren't, super into cooking you're cooking a little bit more now have you found a good substitute in LA oh yeah it's my kitchen oh you're cooking (laughs) or is it your husband I'm cooking now okay cool um it took a while definitely it took a while but we figured it out like you know I I love making food with my husband and we're always talking about hmm how do we replicate my mom's or your mom's nasi lemak you know because Mm -hmm. we couldn't find anything that was good in LA like we tried a few and they were just not our style, you know, uh-huh. like it didn't fit our like taste palette. But it was different. So we're like, OK, let's make our own nasi lemak, which is like a, a very Malaysian dish. Rice cooked in coconut milk, anchovies and sambal with a chili and uh, like fried chicken. So, yum, yeah, really hard to make. But uh, when we managed to crack that code. It was so good. (laughs) How did you learn to cook? Were you calling your moms at home and saying like, what did you do? How do you do this? Yeah, like, we know, obviously, we had to call our moms. Like, my husband would talk to his mom. I would talk to mine. And we will compare, Uh like, notes and see, like, hmm, what's the best way to do this? The first time we made it was during the Malaysian Independence Day, just like 31st August. Like, we had, like, a mini Malaysian night with friends and we decided to bring nasi lemak and that was our first time making it and it was so good 
All right, it's break time, but when we come back, Yuna shares her last meal. And Malaysian British chef Mandy Yin walks me through what six meals a day in Malaysia might look like. Ooh, this part's gonna make you real hungry. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Paulsbow, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest, and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P. Or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. So let's talk about your last meal. If you could have anything in the world, what would you choose? Wow. Um, I love Tom Yam. I just had Tom Yam last night and I'm still thinking about it. It's very rare to find a nice bowl of Tom Yam noodles. So Tom Yam gung, gung is shrimp. So Tom Yam gung is um, spicy, lemongrass, chili, like yellow egg noodles. That would be like my last meal. I know it from Thai food. Is this also a Malay yeah. dish? So I grew up in Perlis, which is like the border of Malaysia and Thailand. Oh, okay. That was like the best time of my life. I have to say like it was beautiful and, um, you know, we didn't have any McDonald's or malls in that area. So yeah. and everything was just nature. The northern region of Malaysia. Yeah. So we live right by the border of Thailand and it's always great food like the food is amazing i still dream about it mm. and the best tom yam i feel like is is over there is it a red curry in a coconut milk so, that's tom ka oh tom <laughs> like, there's ka. like two okay. different things yeah okay so tom ka is with the coconut milk this is without yeah it's brothy it's soupy more but it's spicy is that a dish that you've mastered yet or do you still rely on restaurants for that one yeah, sometimes I like to make my own tom yam, you know, like, but sometimes, yeah, I do need help from like, there's like an actually like an instant tom yam oh. paste noodle. You you can get them at like the Thai markets. Like, I feel like they really mastered <laughs> that paste. <Yeah. laughs> and every time I try to do it myself, I'm like, oh, I'm still not getting it right. I need the paste to help me. So yeah, the lemongrass flavor is actually the most important thing in okay. it. For her last meal, Yuna wants a nice hot bowl of spicy tom yum noodle soup with shrimp. Do you yeah. find that the food isn't spicy enough here? Do you always have to like add extra chilies? Yeah, I would always have to. Add, I would ask for either hot sauce 
or the sambal or one time I brought my own sambal in like a little container yeah. like you know one of those like toiletries like container yeah you had like a shampoo it, bottle of sambal a shampoo bottle of sambal so <laughs> Yeah. Well, you couldn't because, you know, like Beyonce famously has hot sauce in her purse. Hillary Clinton has hot sauce. Yeah. I used to keep it in my glove compartment and then it would go bad because the sun in the car would kind of turn it colors because I always wanted to have Mexican hot sauce for burritos in my car. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, like even today, like on our breakfast sandwich, my husband took out like, uh, what do you call it? Sri Racha in the packet. I was like, oh, my gosh. I love Thank that they you make so that. much. The little like ketchup <laughs> packet of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they're making those now for different hot sauces. Yeah. Hot sauce. Hot All sauce. day, every day. Who doesn't love Tom Yum? I love Tom Yum as well. You know, it's um it's one of the great exports of Thailand. That's Mandy Yin, chef owner of Sambal Shiok in London and author of the cookbook of the same name. So I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and we moved as a family, my parents, my brother and I, when I was 11 to London. I've pretty much been here ever since. So I trained as a lawyer and practiced for about 10 years, burnt out, decided to pursue a career in food, started off in street food, finally opening my flagship in 2018, been really successful, critically acclaimed, award-winning for my signature laksa, which is our best-selling dish. I I realized that she also trained as a lawyer. Exactly. That's what I was going to say was, I'm so glad that you ended up being the person I'm speaking to, because I love that you both (laughs) went to school for law and then ended up doing the thing you were passionate about in a more artistic sense. That's a really cool coincidence. Well, yeah, I think perhaps the law really just like beats out all creativity from you. (laughs) And and at some point you just break and you're like, no, I really, I can't. (laughs) I need to do something else. Yeah, yeah. Just like when Yuna moved to Los Angeles, Mandy also had culinary culture shock when she moved to London. Obviously, the food culture is extremely different. You know, in Malaysia, we're like, you know, we eat like five, six times a day minimum, and it's just surrounded by food, you know, any time of day, uh, you can go out uh, so at the end of your street, there will be something available to eat. Whereas it definitely uh, in London, you know, most places, uh, even my restaurant, frankly, uh, we close at 10. Eating five or six times a day, are these actual meals or is it like you have a few meals and then it's pretty normal to go out and get street food and snacks and things like that? Okay, so for example, you wake up, um, you'll have a, some sort of breakfast. You'll probably go out to the local coffee shop. A coffee shop is not like in the more Western sense of you, you just pretty much get coffee. It's actually a collection of different stallholders selling different types of foods. You'll go and get a takeaway or some probably like a, a, a noodle dish. Um, it's quite popular. So I might have um, wonton meat, which is uh, dumplings in soup with some noodles really popular breakfast or nasi lemak uh, which is uh, sort of one of the Malaysia's national dishes there's coconut rice with like sambal or chili sauce with deep fried anchovies a fried egg or a softball egg the portion sizes in Malaysia are much much smaller than you might normally typically find and then so at about brunch you might have a snack like a very popular snack is a curry puff so a bit like a, a like a small empanada. So curry puffs you'll find everywhere in Malaysia, usually sort of with a potato curry or chicken curry or maybe even a sardine curry. 
lunchtime will be again like a, a full-blown meal so for lunch I might have maybe a noodle soup my most favorite lunch actually when I was growing up in Malaysia in primary school was laksa which is a curry noodle soup maybe some congee uh, then you come to mid-afternoon you'll have another snack so we also have what are known as kue k-u-e-h and they're like sort of cakes traditionally you know we didn't really have ovens so we don't have um, these baked cakes traditionally but you do have a lot of steamed cakes so we have steamed rice cakes uh, with coconut milk we like our uh, sweet savory mix in malaysia so most of our sweets or desserts aren't aren't 100 sweet there's always a, a savory element then you'll have dinner for me at least it was uh, my mum's home cooking so we'll usually have at least one meat dish maybe one fish dish and definitely always a vegetable dish always with rice we really love our rice as malaysians mm. then after dinners there are so many night markets all over the place just pick up some sort of snack like a there's this thing called carrot cake um which is actually not <laughs> the sweet carrot cake that everyone knows in the west it uh, it's actually um a turnip cake but uh, steamed and then it's cut into small cubes and then it's fried in a massive griddle with um, soy and egg and um preserved turnip garlic so yeah that that's six times that we're, i've already described eating and you might have like lots of fruit in between yeah honestly the, the food culture is so very very different this is a dream i want to live in malaysia now not only visit because <laughs> all the foods you listed are all the kind of flavors that i love and just i love cultures that really 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 love food and i know a lot of asian cultures do but i mean you know after you eat dinner sometimes you're in for the night or you kind of get cozy up and you guys are like no we're going back out. We're eating again. Right. <laughs> and there must yeah. be like a social element to it because you meet your neighbors and your friends. I'm sure you see people out a lot throughout the day. You might have more of that like socialization instead of having to make a plan with somebody. Absolutely. And so Malaysia uh, is generally a, a Muslim country. So, you know, drinking alcohol isn't such a big thing. And it's, of, of course, very, very hot in Malaysia. So it's a people do come together and food is the sort of common denominator. You know, we all love our food and it brings us together. a lot of us eat six quote meals a day but just a little bit different than the way they do it in Malaysia. For me it is a smoothie in the morning that I drink in the car on my way to work. My mid-morning brunch snack is probably an almond joy from the candy bowl up at the front desk. Lunch is eaten out of Tupperware at my desk. Afternoon snack is something like the last nine peanuts from a bag that's been stuffed in the back of my desk drawer. Uh, something that I probably got for free attending some event for work. And then dinner, dinner is always good. I always have a really good dinner, except for last week where I ate a banana with peanut butter over the sink, but that was good. And then late at night, instead of going to a night market, I eat literally everything that's left in my fridge. So Malaysia, you're not the only one who can eat six meals a day. Let's talk about sambal because that seems to be a big part of the culture. Um, first talk about yeah. what sambal is and then, you know, what you would put it on or what wouldn't you put it on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you hit the nail on the head. Like sambal, <laughs> is, you'll find it at 
every single meal and we will eat it with every single dish. So sambal is a uh, fundamentally a chili sauce of which there can be thousands of different variations. Uh, you have, for example, fresh chili sambals made with um, toasted uh, shrimp paste. Uh, you so pound it with a pestle of mortar with some lime juice, a tiny bit of sugar, and that is a very simple sambal. It ranges to very, very complex sambals. Um, so, for example, the sambal that's usually served with a nasi lemak is called sambal tumis, and that will have lots of shallots, ginger usually, some tamarind, shrimp paste, a bit of sugar, lemongrass infused in there. We literally use it with everything as um, either a cooking ingredient or you use it as condiment. Yeah, we we just really, really love our chilies, uh, frankly. (laughs) So when I cook at my restaurant, I I refuse to deceive any chilies because what is the point, honestly? (laughs) All right, it's break time, but when we come back, Yuna tells an amazing story about how a late-night pizza craving almost got her banned for life from Canada. If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite, just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. Mandy may have law school in common, but they definitely have different feelings when it comes to pizza. Yuna loves it. And after you hear this harrowing and hilarious story, you might think she'd do anything to get a slice. Well, that story, oh my gosh. Okay, so it was my first time going on tour and my first time really seeing America. It was really, really fun. So back then, I guess like Google Maps was really new. This is 2012. After a show, me, my bandmate, and um, my tour manager, we were really hungry. And we were like, okay, well, let's look for something that's open right now. And it was this pizza place. And it was halal, you know, like I'm Muslim. So it's like, oh, that's a treat. Like, okay, let's go to this like halal pizza spot. Oh, there's one that's like a mile away. It's still open. And then we put in the direction and we drove towards the pizza place so we were in detroit first of all and then we find ourselves driving into a tunnel and it was a long tunnel and we were just like hmm i think we're like driving like underwater or something you know like i've never been to detroit (laughs) so when we finally got to the other side It was just like this huge thing. Welcome to Canada. And I just remember all of us screaming like, ah, no. Like, okay, how do we turn back? How do we turn back? Of course, you can't do a U-turn, right? At the border. At the border. Yeah. Like, you're going to get chased down or something. And so when we got there, 
we spoke to the immigration officer. Of course, they wanted to see like our papers and our passports. Like we had our passports, we just didn't have our visa because I was Malaysian. My two of my other like managers, you know, they they were Malaysians as well, and we didn't have visas. She was like, "So you were looking for pizza?" <laughs> She's like, "Why are you trying to look for pizza?" And like, um, because we're hungry. And she's like, "Can you step out of the van, please?" <laughs> oh my god! I was just like, "I swear, we're just looking for pizza." And it took us like across the border. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, it was really funny, but also really scary because they were really, really serious, like mm-hmm. about us stepping out of the van, and they search our van for I don't know, like maybe they thought we were drunk. Yeah, they probably thought you were smoking weed if you needed pizza that bad Uh, in Canada. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, we just want to go back to America. Sorry. Now, whenever you go to Canada, you get flagged in the system? Yes, every single time. All of my crew members will just go through without any problems. And then when it's my turn, I already know. I'm like, it's okay. You guys go ahead. This is going to take a second. (laughs) (laughs) I like already know it will be fine. Everything will be fine, but it will just take a second because, you know, they have something on my record saying (laughs) probably looking for pizza. So I feel like you must be scarred now. If I was you, I'd be like, I'm never eating pizza in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) No, now I'm like, I have to eat pizza in Canada. Now, every time I'm in Canada, I'm like, give me a freaking pizza. (laughs) And that was Yuna's last meal. I had a funny thing happen where I was trying to cross the border. I live in Seattle going into Canada and British Columbia. My friend was getting married on a Tuesday. It was the smallest wedding. There was like five of us. And so I'm driving up. And then at the border, same thing. They're like, why why are you crossing the border? I'm going to my friend's wedding. And they gave me this look. Who gets married on a Tuesday? I'm like, I know. It's it's weird. And I had the gift on the I'm like, there's the gift right there. And the same thing they were hassling me, like, we don't believe it. I was like, it's not my fault that they're weird. (laughs) We were like, please, please believe us. And they're like, no. No one ever does that. Like trying to look for pizza at like midnight. (laughs) Her new album, Y5, is out now. You can find a link to the album in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we can talk about food anytime. Oh, my God. I know. I could do this all day. Well, thank you so much again and take care. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Mandy Yin. You can find a link to her cookbook and restaurant, both called Sambal Shiok, in the show notes. Mandy mentioned she got her start in street food. And one of the most popular items was a satay burger used chicken thighs and minced them and then mixed it with the traditional satay spice paste, which has lemongrass and garlic, cumin, turmeric, coriander, chilies. It's really tasty, this patty. Made my peanut sauce to go with it. Served it with some really great sweet cucumber red onion pickles uh, with a sambal chili sauce, a very simple one. That sounds so good. I might need to try creating this on my own. Peanut sauce on a chicken burger with pickly things? Yes. Yes, yes. This episode was produced and edited by me. Your Last Meal is a production of Slide Down the Dinosaur Media. Original theme music by Prom Queen. And you heard Yuna's music at the top of the show. Oh, Your Last Meal now has a newsletter. And if you sign up, you'll be alerted to events, giveaways, bonus content, and fun food-related things that I think you might like. And uh, we just happen to be doing our first giveaway right now. Everyone who signs up for the newsletter or who already signed up 
and follows me on Instagram will be automatically entered to win a copy of Mandy's beautiful cookbook, Sambal Shiak. The book is on its way from London as I speak. It's sitting in first class. It's so cute wearing a tiny little seatbelt and sipping free champagne. You'll find a link to the newsletter in the show notes or go to rachelbell.substack.com. And I'm Hello Rachel Bell on Instagram. Fun things like this will only be available to newsletter subscribers. So giddy up. And if you follow me on social media, you probably already know this. But after 20 years as a news reporter, feature reporter, and producer working at news radio stations, I am now making your last meal full time. The entire time that I worked in news, I was always doing something food related on the side, freelance food writing, little TV appearances. And of course, I've been doing this podcast for the last six years, but I have always wanted to work fully in food media. So this is kind of a dream come true. So please help support the show. Tell a friend to listen, write a quick review on Apple Podcasts, do a quick click of the five stars and rate the show on Spotify. And lastly, I just want to thank all of you who sent me a sweet message on Instagram or Facebook. I got all of them. I read all of them. I'm sorry if I didn't reply to all of them, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support and your extremely sweet and generous words. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is your last meal. For some reason, it looks like you're in court. Like, it looks like where a judge would sit. Do you see that? (laughs) (laughs) Like a court TV show, your Judge Judy. (laughs) That's amazing. It does look like a a courtroom. Oh, my gosh. This is how rumors get started. We're going to tell everybody, like, (laughs) yeah, she's in court. Big court case. But she took the time to do this podcast. I'm going to keep my camera off because I haven't taken a shower yet. And my hair, it looks like a crazy palm tree. If you don't mind. (laughs) Yeah, of course. No worries.